0: Welcome to the Scandinavian Mind podcast. I'm Conrad Olsson, founder and editor-in-chief of Scandinavian Mind. Today I'm speaking to Erik Martinsson, CEO and founder of Svea Solar. If there's one thing that defines the current transformation of our way of life, it is how we get our energy. Svea Solar is a Swedish company that seeks to bring renewable energy to everyone using solar panels, charging stations and batteries. In this conversation, Erik tells the story of how he founded the company after missing out on a job at Tesla and how he and his co-founder Björn did their first solar panel installations themselves on their clients' rooftops. We also talk about the future of electric mobility, including aviation. This was hugely entertaining and informative to me. This is a topic that really speaks to a more innovative and sustainable future and something we will cover more in the Scandinavian Mind Platform in the months to come. I'd like to thank the Helio co-working Space for letting us use their podcast studio. And don't forget to sign up to our weekly newsletters, not to miss out on any content and invites. Our latest feature is our reading list, a weekly list of articles, long-form interviews and other gems we found around the internet. It's out every Friday in our newsletter. Sign up at ScandinavianMind.com. Here now, my conversation with Erik Martinsson, CEO of Svea Solar. Enjoy. All right, I'm here with uh, Eric Martinson, uh, CEO and co-founder of uh, Svea Solar, or Svea Solar, maybe. What's what's the English uh, pronunciation of your name now when you're going international?
1: We usually say Svea Solar or Svea Solar. You can say both, but I mean uh, it's Solar in the world, uh, w- word, so it's fairly obvious. Right, you can say Svea right. solar It depends on on your
0: mode. <laughs> I'm going to start with uh, perhaps clarifying or or uh, uh, a rumor that I've heard, and, and that is that you started this company after either, was it you, you've, you failed to get a job at Tesla or you were fired from Tesla? Please clarify here. <laughs> What's the story? Um, I mean, so
1: basically when we started the company, uh, it was started by me and a friend uh, Björn Lind. Uh, we, we started at Shopping University, but uh, before we started the company, we had different venture that we, we sort of went through together, uh, but we also went one exchange year in San Diego, uh, and we started at San Diego State, and uh, we just left, and when I got back to the States to visit a friend there, um, I saw a showroom with the Tesla Model S, and I went in there, and I was obviously um, sort of, I mean, this, this tech guy that made PayPal made some kind of car, and uh, you know, my, my expectation was it's going to be a really, really bad car. I like cars, so I went in there and looked at the car, and I said, "This is not the best electric car in the world. This is the best car." So I'm gonna try to get a job here. Obviously, failed five times. <laughs> five uh, times. Five times. Uh, but then uh, me and Björn started out uh, the solar company instead. So um, uh, one fun part of the story is also that um, uh, a guy that was also involved in this was Peter Carlson, that's now doing Northvolt. Um, uh, he was, I think, vice president of Tesla or something like that, right. uh, and. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so he he left Tesla, and I never made it to Tesla. So maybe that's two good things.
0: All right. So maybe what's the, the the ground zero of the new the new era of Swedish energy? Um, so we're going to talk about energy today, and and solar energy specifically. Um, uh, maybe just start from a more sort of holistic perspective. Why is s- just solar energy? Why is that so important? Why do you go for that? I would go the
1: other way around. I mean we need to go 100% renewable. Hmm. I mean, that's that's a fact. That's not, not something that we need to argue. We either will run out of oil uh, or other fossil fuels, uh, or we just keep it in the ground. But eventually, we will need to rely on the renewable sources. Hmm. Uh, and if you look into that perspective, so how do you ensure to do that? Uh, all calculations will be heavily based on solar. I would argue that... Um, Somewhere between sixty-five to seventy-five percent, uh, maybe even eighty in some places, uh, percent of the old energy uh, will be uh, in the future will be solar powered. So I think that if you would source out one single factor um, to reduce renewable or sorry, to reduce fossil fuels, mm. it would be solar energy. Um, so I think, and that in combination with electrifying transport with EVs, electric vehicles, um, electric transports, uh, future electric airplanes and so on, uh, would be a perfect combination. So that's sort of the reason why we also attacked solar uh, and want to push that as hard as we can. Uh, because I believe personally it's the most important factor in reducing CO2 emissions or or, or you can even say eliminating CO2 emissions. Completely.
0: Right. So when you started out, what was this super obvious to you guys when you did it? Or did you sort of learn about it as you went? What was it in this sort of Tesla experience that you sort of saw that, okay, we need to go into this space? I mean, if you, if you go back uh, several years,
1: um, I've always been in, uh, interested in uh, sort of environment and, and what we can do there. Mm. But I've been a little bit depressed in the sense that uh, you either had to do the fun stuff in life and not care about the environment or, or not do the fun stuff and care about the environment. Mm. And that's a conflict that I think a lot of people is having today. A lot of people is oh can I do that and that and if I don't do that and then you you get kind of schizophrenic you either care about the environment or you don't and, and so it's really hard and I had those feelings for a long time, uh, it was, the the first time I really realized this is possible, it was really when we started to see what's happening with electric vehicles you're seeing what's happening with solar, um so th- that this was um you know, some some ten years ago. And then you start to start to go. Okay, solar is good, but it will not work in Sweden. I mean, that's the first mindset that everyone goes through, including probably a lot of people in the audience of, here. Of course, because I did it myself. <laughs> I did. I rated the solar like really low. It won't work in in Sweden. You know, we saw it happening when we were studying. Uh, I think it was eleven, twelve in San Diego. We started to see solar city and other companies uh, evolving there, and you see, "Yeah, well, this works here. You have a high electricity price and a lot of sun." Mm. And then we started to do um, our homework in Sweden. I mean, obviously, you look at the roofs, there's no solar. So we were right. It doesn't work here. But you're starting to do the financials, and you see, it's actually a really good case. It's actually profitable to put up solar in Sweden. And then you sort of argue, so why is there no solar in Sweden? And then we went out, me and Bjorn, and tried to look, you know, even can we work at a solar company or together with a solar company but the more we looked the the more we we thought we can be the best player in this market really quick um, so that's when we changed our mindset of, of sort of working with or for another company and said let's do it ourselves
0: so so and what was the opportunity there so you 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 sort of scanned so, the market and you you know looked at roofs sort of ocular uh, what was it that you really saw here's an opportunity so so basically i
1: mean we looked of the process of getting solar power. I mm-hmm. mean, we were both engineers and we were fairly good at electronics. But for us, it was still hard to get solar. I mean, to understand when you talk to the, our competitors today or, or the players in the market by that time. And everyone that bought solar by that time were either extremely enthusiastic about the environment or super... Um, Good engineers that most likely are retired because it took two, even if you were a good engineer, you didn't have the time to do to, to sort of look into how, how you do it. So, you need <laughs> to be a retired engineer. So, everyone that bought solar, you're talking time, about just installing it, um, just yeah. I'm talking about to... just understanding it. Yeah. So, because I mean, when, when you're looking into it, so oh, should I should buy that inverter, should I have those panels, I and mean, you have this installer, and no one had a full package. I mean, right. so what we said is like, okay, let's go in here, really, you know, make it easy for people to get solar. That's really what we did. So we went in there and we changed the entire market dynamics. Everyone was charging sort of a price based on how many hours it will take to install. And, you know, do you have this and this upside and downside? We went out there and quoted a fixed price. I mean, it mi- might sound super easy, but that was revolutionary. Mm. 2013, mm. in December, when we launched our company.
0: You launched in December? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sorry about my but research, the... but that's a great month to launch. A it is, company because then the you have a lot of uh, <laughs>
1: months to screw up before it's, the sun goes, goes up. <laughs> right. So basically, I mean, that's, that's a very easy mindset. We still have that mindset to make it easy for the customer. Mm. So we always try to be uh, super clear on, on the expectations and we anticipate the customer knowledge uh, to be not zero, obviously, but, but not extremely high. Uh, and we also try to ensure that we, we take care of all the problems for the customer, uh, permits and everything like that.
0: And how much do you do you feel you have to educate the customer? Because I think one of the things with just looking at myself, just energy supply is something I don't want to spend time thinking about. You know, I have some kind of service. Someone, you know, negotiates the price for me. I hope I get the right one. I really, you know, honestly don't spend that much time on it.
1: So, so, so I think that's a great sort of thing here. Energy is probably one of the most boring things for, for, for the general population. Mm. And I might be a little bit of a of, of, of difference there. But if you take the general population, everyone just wants it to work. They want to have a low bill and want it to work. Mm. And when it doesn't work, the, people get really angry. Yeah, it's like plumbing, right? Exactly. <laughs> but when it works, uh, people still get really angry because they don't like utility companies getting the rates up and up and up. Mm. Our job is to do the other way around. You can own your own power but you don't need to invest a lot of time in it. We will lower your bill and take care of all your problems and you will go renewable. So one of the most important choices in life for this planet now is to ensure that you have renewable energy in the grid or that we together have only renewable energy in the grid. Mm. But it's also one of the most boring choices to make. So we're trying to sort of just make it super easy for people to do the right choice. And this is a core thing for us as a company, but also for, for how I value... Uh, the way we should approach the environmental problems we have today. Our job is not to go out to, to tell people that you cannot do what you want to do in life. Uh, you, you don't need to stop consuming the products that are right. Mm. We will ensure that you can do the things you want to do, but you you can do it in a better way. That's really the core here. We're not here to say, don't do that. Don't consume energy. Don't do that. Uh, you can consume a lot more energy than we do today uh, with a good conscience if we ensure that the, the Energy we're consuming today is hundred percent renewable.
0: Okay, so b- b- break it down for me. What you know, other than you know making a product out of it, that's sort of the approach. Make it easy for the for the customers. What did you have to actually do to make this work? Uh, in terms, I mean. And just to to our point earlier, uh, how does it work in Sweden?
1: Uh, <laughs> does it really? Yeah, uh, yeah, what it does, I believe now we are, we're gearing up towards, I mean, not really, but almost 1% of the entire grid uh, in Sweden is solar. I mean, I think it's like 0.7 right now, mm. but we're getting close to 1%. I believe long-term that can easily be over 25%. Sweden will be one of the markets with the lowest solar in the grid, by the way. So if you go to Spain, where we are also are present... Um, I believe that long-term it can be uh, over 80% mm. uh, of solar. So it's a matter of, I mean, the combination in different markets will, will be different. I mean, Sweden have a super good hydropower in North. I mean, that will be there. It's yeah. one of the best sources you can have. Uh, it's very good. To, you can regular, you, you sort of use um, use it when you need it mm. um, and, and so on. And so it's a perfect complement to uh, solar and wind uh, i think uh, that sweden will have a lot of wind power as well so i mean it's not that we're competing against other renewable sources i mean mm-hmm. solar will be a a mo- major player in all markets and dominating in some markets uh, and then you will have other good sources as well uh, com- combining
0: that so what did you have to do to make this a product that was easy to use for for the clients how did you both engineering-wise and... and, uh...
1: So so we started a little bit on picking the right products because Mm. there was a lot of products that was sort of just scattered all all over. So we went and and did research and and took out the best panel manufacturers, the best best inverter manufacturers and the best sort of components overall for the system. And then we packaged it in a way where we took the risk. So we said, this is going to cost this much. And then we we worked uh, downstream from that. So that was obviously one approach. Uh, we also were a little bit um, um, interested in not doing the installation first. So we said someone else can do the installation and we'll yeah. just do the packaging and the nice sales job. But uh, in a business that was so new then we entered WeRails, there was no real competence. So we had to do it the other way around. So after... Doing a couple of failed products in the beginning where we used subcontractors, we changed our approach. So me and Björn installed the first maybe 2050 systems ourselves to really understand what we're doing. And then we started to hire people that could do the entire sort of supply chain. So we worked with in-house installers to really get the quality out there so that we can get happy customers and a really good customer experience. So we really focused on uh, ensuring that the customer will get what um, we promised them in terms of quality, in price, in delivery of, of the sort of production and all that. So that's really how we framed the, the, the thing here. And then we can start to get a snowball going because people that we installed to, could recommend to other people and so on. And that's really, we had no marketing budget. I mean, we, we had one web page and we were two guys that uh, were, you know, in Sweden, we have the CSN that when you study, you get about 10,000 Swedish crowns, <laughs> 1,000 euro per month. That was what we were used that to. That was having. seed funding? That was our seed funding. I mean, <laughs> but the good thing with CSN is that uh, they're one of the best investors because they are not putting any pressure on you at, at all. Right. I mean, as long as you pass your exams, basically, that you get the money and they don't ask you for anything. So, so we had no money and and björn which obviously is from småland and that's the ikea region where mm. ingvar kamprad was from they really take care of money there um so we were really careful about spending in the beginning uh, and i think that's also uh, a good thing for us to really get the systems uh, efficient uh, and and uh, able to scale because we had to be very efficient
0: mm. So when did you realize okay now we can now we can scale this up now we can take the next uh, level sort of thing. and what what sort of lessons did you bring from doing it yourselves you know up on the roofs to taking it out to a, 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 another level so so i mean
1: when we started the company and sort of the the long term vision and mission for the company is really to to ensure that we are uh, getting towards a, a zero fossil fuel um, mm-hmm. energy grid and uh, in order to do that, we need to scale. I mean, so that's built into our DNA. We cannot be a, a factor in this um, sort of vision and mission that we want to achieve if we are not scaling. So we built the business plan uh, when we started the company to reach 1 billion Swedish sec by 2022, which mm. we're just shy of now. So we're two years ahead of business plan. Uh, and Congratulations. Um, Yeah, so, so everything I'm saying here today... Uh, you need to sort of take away twenty percent on the timeline because I'm always too pessimistic. So if if right. I say a number here now, <laughs> uh, you need to cut it uh, to
0: eighty percent. Okay. So uh, there's this uh, sense around your brand when you talk about energy. This you sort of that this David versus Goliath uh, situation in the in the energy industry. When you started working in big and becoming a player in this field. Was there pushback? Was there, uh, you know, people wanting to uh, put you in a corner, so to speak? Who are these two students? What are they trying to do? You really think you can change stuff? Or, or was there a welcoming uh, sense? Uh... I mean, very
1: little of that, I think. I mean, I generally believe that most people want to save the planet. I mean, mm-hmm. that's my sort of... You know, when I enter into a conversation, um, I try to sort of look at... That most people want to do it. Mm. And I believe that's also the same case for most energy companies. Even companies that today are heavily invested in fossil fuels, I get a feeling that they want to divest and and do the right things. I mean, when we started, it wasn't that obvious because um, um, then you had a good business case for fossil fuels as well. So now it's even easier to be uh, pro solar and, and wind because it's the cheapest electricity out there. Right. So, I mean, that also tends to change a little bit of what's happening out there. But, but I believe in general, uh, my experience of meeting a lot of energy companies, working with some of them, uh, is that they really want to help. Uh, they want to scale this up. And um, it's very few times that I've entered a meeting or have a conversation with someone that I think is hostile towards us as a company and as what we're trying to do. Mm. I I really believe that most people are trying to do a good thing.
0: And so so what are the the sort of major obstacles for you guys? What what, what do you, what, what are the hurdles that you need to sort of, you know, pass over in order to make this a true success?
1: I mean, really, I think that what we're trying to do now is scale very efficiently in other countries. I mean, they do the th- same thing. We have about 20% market share in Sweden. I think we can get up to maybe 30% here. Uh, but after that, I mean, it, it's uh, probably that we're too... too uh, we would be too cheap on the market if we get more than, than 50% uh, market mm. share, really. Um, so we. I believe that scaling what we have now and really reaching out to the sort of all over Europe, I mean, which is what we're trying to do within the, the, the next two, three years, uh, and ensuring that we have somewhat reaching out to about 80% of the European market, I think it's, it's reasonable to do in that time frame. Obviously not taking 80% of the market, but uh, being able to, to um, supply in those areas. Mm. And I think what we really are trying to do uh, is to look further out because when we are mapping out what's going on, we're not just looking at okay, we're gonna build a couple of solar plants here and there. We are adding uh, EV charging, batteries, uh, energy contracts, as well as solar. So we're bundling with a full, complete energy solution uh, where we can also balance the loads and because a lot of people are now really worried about what's going to happen with the grid. You know, you have this wind that's sometimes, uh, uh, you know, when the wind is blowing, you get a lot of wind power. Otherwise, you don't get a lot of wind power. You have the sun. You know, it's obviously not. Uh, sun all the time. So you need to work on being very efficient when to consume energy. So a lot of people, especially the older energy companies are always thinking from, how can I supply the demand in the market? Mm. We are changing that completely and saying, okay, we're building up uh, a production units uh, all, over, all, all over Europe uh, together with other companies. And we're also trying to change the pattern and behaviors of the demand. And that's much easier than to, than to change how the wind blows and how the sun shines
0: so what are some of those changes in demand you think so so basically i mean
1: if you look into a regular villa customer Mm -hmm. you can change approximately 70 percent of the general electricity loads uh without the comfort or or even without the villa owner knowing it so basically uh, working with the air condition unit or the um, sort of heating system uh, where you're heating at certain hours and not using the other hours and also working with the electric vehicle charging system usually I mean you go up to work maybe at seven and you take your car and you go uh, I mean there's no reason for it to be fully charged at 12 o'clock at the night maybe it's better to start charging at two o'clock and, and it's done by five so I mean really working with existing uh, sort of things in in the villa uh, and we can really optimize that, and then obviously we're putting on the battery unit, which will be a key thing here mm. uh, so that you can have a supply and use electricity from from the daytime when the sun shines to nighttime uh, or even charge during night when you have really heavy wind sometimes uh, and you have no basically no loads in the system. So it's really about building a complete ecosystem. And that's what we're doing. And and we are right now becoming the leader in Europe in that, um, uh, working with that It's It's
0: something about fine tuning in the background and behind the scenes, so to speak.
1: It goes back to what I told uh, about earlier. Um, We are not trying to change the behaviors of the customers. Mm. We're trying to to give a better customer experience, but also ensuring this uh, flexible demand.
0: But, you know, the consumer's behavior is changing, though. And there are a lot of things that are happening. And, uh, you know, if you look at projections of, you know, uh, more and more, you know, internet of of things, more and more things needing uh, electricity and so forth. Do you see that as an issue or it will be sort of the regular sort of sockets that we're going to use? Super helpful.
1: I mean, that's really, I mean, what we're, I mean... I shouldn't say the customer behavior is not changing. I mean, that's maybe wrong, but what we're saying, you can still do what you want to do. I mean, sure, that, that's sure, really I what i understand. I'm but saying. But so, I'm,
0: I'm thinking, where do you see, what, what, what changes do you see in the customer? Yeah, I mean, and how do you IoT is obviously helpful. I yeah. mean,
1: very helpful. I mean, if you look into what we're trying to saying here, it's really that in order to, in a good way, optimize for 100% renewable grid, because that's what we need to be at, um, we are at the same time also adding tons of EVs, electric vehicles. Uh, we're adding, you know, future Uh, even sort of steel manufacturers, uh, all kinds of uh, mining companies or whatever, they will go into fully being electrified. Mm. So electricity will be the core of of our energy use in the world. So we need to sort of build that ecosystem and be really smart about how we're working with it. So, you know, all this kind of what you mentioned, smart platforms, um, everything from, you know, smart sockets or whatever. I mean, it's all helpful. But if you go into the core factors here, I mean, you, you can sort of look at, nice to have and needs to have here mm. and the first thing you need to work with is really heating in air condition because those are massive uh, electric vehicle charging uh, and um, yeah, those are really the ones you, you, you need to sk- work with first um, right right and then battery storage obviously
0: and if you want to really look into the future, where where do you see sort of solar uh, panels heading? You know, how small can they be? Will they always be on the roof? I'm sure that's the most, uh, there's a great benefit of having as many roofs as possible. I guess there's, that's an obvious space to have it on. But can we have solar panels on, I've seen there, there are sort of... Um, uh, electric vehicle prototypes now. I think the first sort of fully solar paneled electric vehicle that was in use the other day that it could, could drive on its own sort of uh, uh, energy resource on the roof. But where do you see this going? I mean,
1: you know, I, you know, if you put solar power on your car, that's great, but it won't power the car. I mean, mm. it will help the car a little bit, but then you go and park it in your garage. And I'd rather put the solar panels on the garage because that will always be in the sun. Hmm. Uh, so it makes more sense. If you're sort of looking at units per panel, it's better to have this panel always in the sun. So, I mean, but but there is some benefits because if you put it on the car and you drive for a long time and you, you cannot plug in for a long time, you will get some, some extra mileage, but right. that's very limited. I mean, you know, just look at a car, you know, it's a couple of square meter of, of panels. Uh, it will give you uh, at the ma- at tops a couple of kilowatts. Um, so. It's not really feasible to fully have the car on there, but obviously I believe also in the future that you will have uh, solar powers on all cars, I mean, o- on them, and then you will add other solar power from your garage. Mm. So, I mean, it's not sort of you-, you choose that or the other one, but if I would to choose first, I would first put it on your garage.
0: Uh, I excuse me naive question perhaps but is there a way to I'm sure uh, panels are uh, uh, you know developing as well you know have we reached sort of limit of what a panel can capture from the sun or is there uh, so, so first I mean it's also important to understand I mean
1: panels are right now of about 20% efficiency meaning that 20% of all the sunlight hitting that surface will be electricity which is I mean it sounds low but it's actually really high mm because uh, you know a regular a really good plant a really good plant is you know a fraction of a percent uh or something like that so so i mean it's 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 really good uh and um uh, so so it, it you know you have potential to to boost that and it's been you know increasing for 10 years ago it was um, below 15 percent and now you know it's it, it's increasing uh so it's it's good for, for, for the industry because it's developing over time. You mm. will get small incrementation, uh, incremental improvements mm. all the time. Um, so it will be better over time. But even if we have no improvements at all, let's say we're stopping improving today, we still have good enough panels that are price competitive enough to beat coal and natural gas. So that's still very important to understand. It will only get better over time. So coal will just be more stupid and more stupid over time, where solar will be a little bit cheaper, a little bit cheaper. So year over year, you have a couple of percentage of, of uh, price decrease. If it would be going down too quickly, mm. it would actually not make sense to invest today. You would wait for tomorrow. But here's the good thing that the, the, we're getting improvements, but they're not as large so you, that people would wait. Because if you would get like, you know, it would be half the price tomorrow, you you would wait to tomorrow and then no one would buy. So basically right. we see incremental improvements and, and those will keep going for the next 20, 30, 40 years mm. or even more. Uh, but I mean, is it realistic that we would ever hit over 40%? I don't know. Uh, but I, I think that um, we will see easily 25% efficiencies over time uh, from the 20 web today. Uh, but, but it's really hard to estimate. Uh, the price will go down a little bit over time. Uh, but it's it's really important also for people to understand that it's really competitive already. I mean, based on no subsidies over time, it will completely beat natural gas and coal.
0: Wow! Just like that. Yes. Yeah.
1: With, with no incremental. Oh, sorry. No, no drastic improvements, or even no incremental improvements.
0: Right. So fossil is on its way out. So and where you, I mean, obviously, with the the, the expansion you you're, you're talking about uh, into other countries, and you mentioned before the show that you you open up some new countries even at this difficult year. Um, so talk to me a little bit about where you're going, and is it further south? I mean, Spain. Is it even further south into Africa? Is that an opportunity as well?
1: I mean, so basically, we will start by uh, sort of taking the crown in Europe, which we are on our way. I think we'll next year already be the the largest rooftop installer in Europe. Um, And um, sort of really ensure that we do some some really benefits here, I mean, because There's a focus issue here. We need to to focus on one area to ensure that we really are bringing value. Otherwise, we'll be very scattered. But long term, obviously, there there might be other areas we can go into or other parts of the world. But we need to really ensure that we are uh, sort of fixing the European problem first here, Mm. uh, which also is massive uh, like everywhere else. Um, And um, from a standpoint of other markets, I mean, Africa obviously have... uh, uh, they went from no telephones to mobile phones. They skipped the entire sort of landlines. Right. And that's exactly what they're going to do with uh, fossil fuels. They're just going to jump over coal power plants and gas plants. Uh, so, so, if you
0: just like envision a little bit uh, or, 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 or like speculate, but, but I think it's to me, it's just obvious that's just a massive opportunity for Africa to uh, uh, transform and, and, and uh, because they have so much access to, to energy that, that we don't have up in the north exactly I mean
1: basically if you look at poverty at uh, a poverty um, I would say that sort of the main factors I mean a lot of it is education you can talk about clean water and mm. those sort of really basic needs but I would say then I also rank energy as one of the most important factors I mean this as soon as you get energy uh, you sort of get access to all kind of sort of more more efficient farming um, more efficient production it's really a core thing of also not only fixing the fossil fuel problem, but also getting an entire sort of area of the world or or, or part of countries to get out of uh, poverty. So Mm -hmm. I think it's not only an energy problem that we're solving in that sense, but obviously now we're focused on Europe and and those areas. But if you look at at the sort of general industry uh, with solar, and the good thing with solar, if you compare it to wind or natural gas or anything, is that you can do it very locally. It's good on large scale with sort of massive solar parks, but you could do it with just one or two panels, which completely rewrites how you look at energy. And that's why it will be fairly easy to implement in, in poor areas as well. Because mm. otherwise, you, uh, there's very few companies that would do a massive investment in maybe a, a not so stable part of the world. Whereas if you do very many small investments, it might, might be a lot safer.
0: With uh, with micro and and so forth. Exactly, that's, I mean, that's how we see the the evolution is going there as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, how, how how much has um uh, going back to to uh, how it all started how much has uh, Tesla meant for you guys in terms of uh, uh branding yourself uh, you know talking about this area uh you know obviously it's Elon Musk is a is a sort of tentpole figure in our culture right now and many people are looking 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 forward I'm sure it plays into the culture in a way do you talk about this at all internally or or have you moved on
1: <laughs> no but i mean obviously tesla has done a lot of good things um, in terms of pushing what's possible to do right um so i mean if you look what they have done with automotive industry i mean they they push their cars out there um meeting other companies saying that electric vehicles will never happen or if they will happen they're 20 years away or, or minimum 10 years away mm. and they showed those companies to be completely wrong so i think that opened the mindset of what's possible to do uh, and, and I think that's in some ways what we and other companies in the solar fields are are doing now. I mean, we're mm. really showing that um, coal fire plants um, are not here to stay. I mean, right. it, just go back a couple of years, people still believed that gas peakers would be a good thing. I mean, people, you know, big companies were investing monies in taking out new gas turbines. It's mm. like, it's so interesting. And now they're, you know, trying to push those products away and, and, and put them in a balance sheet where where no one ever would look at it because right. it's a, such a stupid investment to do. Um, You know, you, you could just use solar power and batteries. Or win.
0: It's it's interesting to hear a new type of entrepreneur and CEO used the word stupid so many times. But I think maybe that's what needs to happen in terms of changing behavior. Maybe, but I mean,
1: in my mind, it's not that, I mean... For, for me, it's just a stupid bet. Right. I mean, so if, if people want to do it, they're, they're free to do it. But, but I mean, we can go back in five years' time and say, I told you so. Mm. Uh, because it's so obvious. It's, something, it's one thing if you're sort of putting out daring um, claims that you can't back up. Mm. But I mean, if, if you start going into financials, and then we haven't even started about in, talking about environmental impact. Because there's a lot of things here. A lot of people are saying, oh, you cannot not invest in coal because we need to go to in, in, in renewable energy. That's one thing. And people say, well, people still want their power. But if you can say, I can give you cheaper power that are fully renewable, and the alternative is coal, which is twice expensive, and uh, destroying the earth, I mean, you really have a tough sell there to make. Uh, I mean, you can maybe lobby your way through a little bit, but even the the lobbyists have some kind of, you know, sort of things here when the industry of renewables are getting more powerful and they can pay the lobbyists m- more it will also die
0: <laughs> well, the, the lobbyists will go where the with the market goes as well exactly. I, guess, uh, exactly. I guess so how much does uh, uh, public opinion matter to to you guys obviously we've seen a massive uh, you know even uh, pre-covid a massive uh, movement towards sustainability you know look just look at any uh survey on the new generations they're talking about uh being conscious about sustainability and and so forth will be more and more important and and it and it actually translates to uh, through the generations so it's not like you know previous uh, attitudes we've seen sort of pendulum swing back into a new generation but what we've seen is from the millennials down to the gen C's. the the uh Awareness around sustainability is is only growing. So, how do you look at this? Uh, is it on your radar, or uh, or is it important for you guys to to uh, you know attract new customers? I'm 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 you know I'm sure many of them are millennials today. They're going to be Gen Zs tomorrow.
1: I think I mean in general. I mean we need to find all kinds of customers to to run as fast as we can as mm-hmm. a company. Uh, and obviously, you know this kind of. I would call massive mindset shift that we're seeing in terms of uh, that we need to save the planet Um is really helping companies that are trying to do well mm-hmm. or good for the planet i mean it, it that's that, that makes sense uh but in a sense of you know public opinion i mean we're, we're trying to really do our best in this field uh and uh, uh obviously that comes with a lot of challenges uh, and and the the main constraint for us as a company and, and for the world is time so it's really i mean of public opinion and, and sort of where are our next steps is really our job is to run as fast as possible i mean and and really try to get to sort of a state where we, are, we have fulfilled what we need to do and that's to eliminate fossil fuels and and there there, there might be a concern sometimes uh, in, in sort of the the mindset of the customer where you are sometimes getting a feeling that uh, a lot of people are talking about, I mean, we we need to stop doing a lot of things. And you hear that everything is going really south and so on. Mm. But there's not very many people talking about what's really are going well. I mean, what are now, right. there? are fantastic uh, things happening. I mean, right. solar, wind, electric vehicles. I mean, we talked about Tesla. I mean, there's tremendous improvements uh, mm. in, in you know price reductions to get more affordability, uh, tremendous ramps up and so on. And I think that... Uh, The public opinion would feel a little bit better of hearing more about that uh, because then you get more into a mode of I can fix this problem than being paralyzed and saying everything is going south. Mm. So I think that if there's anything I would like to change on the public opinion is that there's hope, but you need to act. Mm. I mean, instead of just saying it's let's panic, you know, this is all going horrible. uh, Stop doing whatever you're doing. I would say do more, but do correct things.
0: Right but so you as a company or as a brand it's it's sort of like a stay on message type of a strategy you have your thing you need to push that out and and the more you can push that out the the better it will be in, in a way yeah yeah pretty
1: much yeah. i mean it's it's i mean we haven't built up any sort of strategy on how should we move the 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 mindset of the customers in, in general i mean we're trying to do what we can do best and 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 really try to push that the customer experience so good that people will shift to solar faster mm. Mm. That's really been our focus. But uh, you know, if we can do even more to also change public opinion, I would be happy to do it.
0: Uh, is, there, is there anything that, that uh, customers don't know that might surprise them about this technology or, or where it's heading? I think that um, people
1: are underestimating um, the long-term benefits of prices going down and mm-hmm. overestimating the short-term benefits. I mean, people are, are anticipating the panels and, or batteries to go down a lot tomorrow, mm. but they're not seeing that it goes down a little bit for every year. And that will be a massive effect on, in 10, 15, 20 years, a massive effect, but it won't be a game changer tomorrow. So it's really about, you know, if you look at the curves, I mean, they're all exponential. Uh, the growth for solar in the world is growing, you know, somewhere between 20 to 30% per year. Wow. All the time. You know that also. Oh, that's only going from what you know. Have two percent solar in the in the grid today in all over the world. Some somewhere around there. And people. Oh, that's only two percent. And then they're saying that the overall emissions are going up with a certain percentage. So you can see that solar is just taking the growth of the economy all over the world. But they're not realizing that if you have that compounded growth over time, you know you will come to an area where where solar will completely dominate. Um, so I think that's sort of the mindset. And that's also what I would like a lot of more people to talk about. That. When you have compounded growth, uh, I mean exponential growth uh, in one field, um, you know, you, you, it's really hard to predict how fast it will go because all predictions historically have been made about solar has been completely wrong. People, you know, there was a report in Sweden that was made, I think, um, 2013. I'm not going to mention the name, but it was one of the consultancy firms that mm. uh, said that uh, uh, 2040, uh, we'll have 2% solar. Uh, in the swedish grade or something wow. like that maximum wow maximum and we're now you know uh, some 20 years uh, from that uh, we have just you know in 5 6 years or so a little bit more uh, reached almost 1% so i mean we will probably be by 2040 my estimations is probably that we're around maybe you know 20 going for 25 so i mean it's really hard and 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 the reason why it's so hard to predict is because if the curve you know you need to predict when the curve is taking off Mm. Uh, but when it's taking off which is half it's a lot easier to predict so it's a lot harder to predict solar it was a lot harder to predict Mm. solar for 10 Mm. years ago or maybe 20 years ago than what it is today
0: so so, what's happening on the on the battery side? I mean, you have this concept of uh, Moore's law when it comes to computing power, and that has yep. stayed roughly true for I don't know, it's about thirty years now or something yep. like that. Is there an equivalent when it comes to batteries? And yep. where do you see? And there's a lot of talk about we won't have enough batteries uh, to su- to supply the demand. Uh, you know, and you mentioned Northvolt, obviously doing massive uh, investments in this field right now. I mean.
1: I need to look up the exact numbers here, but I think around every tenth year, mm. you have an improvement in batteries of uh, battery density, meaning the the sort of energy density per 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 kilogram um, or or kilowatt hour per kilogram goes up by multiple of two. So it uh, so somewhat. I mean, if you if you would sort of build an airplane that you can do today to go from Stockholm to Gothenburg, I mean that's uh, what well, was forty four hundred kilometers. Right. Um, so. If you double that, you know, the, the airplane would not go double as far because the battery is actually uh, or, or it, it would go double as far Sorry, in 10 years. So mm. you would, I mean, not really quite make it almost to London. And then you can argue that, you know, in another 10 years or a little bit more, you would make it to New York. So, I mean, the path of going with electric planes are not that far away. So, I mean, by just using those multiples, and and if you look at the the last 30 years, that's been true. Every 10th year, you look at that type of number. And if you look also at price, I mean, the price is going down for batteries somewhere, I mean, 10, 15% per year. Right. So, you basically have a lot of things going on. You have the battery density in one way, and you have the price in the other way. Mm. Uh, And that creates a powerful um, compounded interest.
0: What do you think about electric planes? Are you are you hopeful? Are you are you into that? You're looking at the uh, what's yeah, happening?
1: Yeah, no, no I think uh, electric planes makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, especially for for the shorter holes in in the, in the near future, and also right. longer uh, in in the in the distance. But meaning that you know, it's completely physically physically possible to. Uh, electrify all transportations. I mean, you can argue that some people talk about hydrogen, uh, and, and that's actually also electrification, because you're actually using um, a fuel cell that has a small battery, and mm. you're using the hydrogen to to power the battery. So, you know, the debate in my mind should now more shift towards, okay, should it be hydrogen or, or some other uh, matters for some, some, you know, maybe shipping would be hydrogen, uh, because there's massive energy uh, needs there. Uh, And the rest might be uh, electric. I mean, that's sort of where I think the debate is today. It should be today. Mm. Not if, okay, so are we going to do, how long are are we going to do some parts with with, uh, regular oil? I mean, it's just that what parts we will eliminate first and how we will do that roadmap. So I would sort of ask politicians that are in power to more look at, okay, what's an end goal and how can we get there fast? And what would we need to either maybe subsidize or Mm. tax? I mean because a lot of people are are saying you should not subsidize which I can agree with somehow uh but you know things that are polluting should be taxed I mean that's just I mean like like you're taxing um you know you're you're paying some a bill for your garbage uh but you're not doing it for CO2 emissions and we know that's harmful so I mean If you look at Stockholm, I think it was founded around, uh, you know, 1200 or something like that. (laughs) People were throwing out the garbage uh, through the window and no one was cleaning up. And then people realized maybe we should tax a little bit for taking away the garbage and then Mm. you have clean streets. I think most people agree with that today.
0: So... uh, 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 Let's go back to the product a little bit, and there's some, one thing we didn't mention was the app, uh, which I'm curious about. So, how has that changed the consumer behavior somehow? Are you changing the way you um, your your relationship to energy through through the app, or or what's the main focus there?
1: I mean, the main focus physically is really to work with the, the base loads, as I talked about, mm. with, with sort of your heating, uh, your electric vehicles, but I believe I, everyone will have an electric vehicle in the future that have a car today. Uh, and uh, then obviously uh, sort of uh, the base loads on on, on even how, how you heat your water and so on. Mm. Uh, and, and, and really trying to have those loads at the correct moment. And that's what we are really working with and then have the battery obviously working in the system together with the solar. So that's really what we're doing. And we're building this in a, in a way where the customer, they can go in and force the system to work in a certain way, but if they don't do anything, it will still work. I mean, that's a key thing here. We're not expecting the customer to be a, an engineer or even interested in energy. No. So that's a, a, an important thing here. If you are interested, you can go in and o- try to optimize your system and maybe charge your car at certain times you want to charge it or, or ensure that you have the perfect temperature all the time or, or whatever you want to do. You can all do that. But uh, if you're not interested and you just want to have sort of a, a, a cheap electricity bill with a system that's working uh, and and have a fully renewable solution, uh, we'll give you that and, uh, and and you don't have to do anything and that's important
0: you, you recently also start, uh, opened a, um, a retail location in uh, one of the bigger uh, 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 galleries here in the mall of scandinavia in uh, outside of stockholm yep. um, which I thought was interesting both from a You know, there's a lot of talk about death of retail and where it's going. I thought it was interesting that a that a solo company took uh, sort of uh, took that space. Uh, Why did you do that, and what has that sort of given you uh, in terms of understanding the consumer?
1: I think it's really what we did in in a sense is that we opened that, uh, and it's it's a part time store, I should say, also, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, and and it was also a way for us to have the the people that you meet there actually is not our salespeople; it's everyone working at the office. All right. So we're putting, uh, we're cycling all, all the employees around so they get to know the customers. Mm. So I think that's also a key thing here. It's not only for, for us. So for me uh, and Bjorn also, when we started the company, we focus a lot on the customer. And, and for everyone to understand the customer, they need to meet the customer. So they need to be able to explain the product. If you can't explain the product, you need to sort of read up. So it's a way for us to also ensure that all employees are being um, schooled in what we're doing. Uh, as well as getting a lot of interest because there's a lot of interest. We have had a lot of people coming in there and really sort of getting a feed on, oh, this is how it looks like and this is how it works. So Mm. it's really about educating uh, the consumer and, and also educating our staff to understand the consumer. So we're we're trying to do both here, educating the consumer and educating ourselves.
0: That's good. So maybe not put all the stuff up on the roof, like like you started once, uh, putting them in the pop up shop. And we actually name it we safer. actually
1: we actually try to have everyone at least visit a, a, an installation. Maybe not doing a full installation, but but being part of it or at least uh, understanding it. So I think that's that's another thing we're doing that everyone working in the company should know what we're selling mm. and where we're we coming from. Mm. So I mean, it's really about um, you know. Being able to still uh, work out and get the best service for the customer, because that's really where you can make a difference. Uh, if you can make it very scalable and still have the customer in focus, uh, those those two are fairly hard, and we need to we need to work every day to to keep that focus.
0: I think that's an excellent end note. Is there anything you think we should add that we have missed talked about? Uh, anything a message that you want to send off to the readers or listeners? No,
1: I mean, more more in a sense that uh, I think that people should be more optimistic on what's going on. And there's a lot of good things going on. And instead of, of sort of being afraid of all, all the bad things that are, are happening, I mean, we should still care about those and really make sure that they are not happening. We should try to focus on really we have tremendous uh, movements in, in solar power, wind power, electric vehicles and all that. And, you know, in essence, like 75 percent of all CO2 emissions are somehow related to energy. Mm. Um, in in all kinds of areas and if we can electrify all that and if we can make sure that that electricity is 100% renewable that's it all
0: right stay positive Eric founder and the CEO of Svea Solar Uh, thank you so much for talking to me thank you very much You've been listening to the Scandinavian Mind podcast with me, Conrad Olson. This show was edited by Erik Sedin. If you like what you heard, follow us on your preferred podcast app like Spotify or Apple Podcasts. To get the latest news, insights and invites to upcoming events, sign up to our newsletter. Just go to ScandinavianMind.com to become part of our movement.